0: Welcome to the Everyday Innovator podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad. The Everyday Innovator online summit recently ended. It was April 8th through 10th, 2020. The speakers were absolutely incredible. 25 top experts shared their strategies, practices, and tips to help product managers and product VPs gain high performance and get more success. If you want to find out more about that, just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash summit and you can see what was going on. Now, one of those speakers was Ruben Gonzalez, and he was our motivational keynote for the summit. He was so good. So good that I wanted to share the discussion with you as well, the Everyday Innovator podcast listener. I won't be sharing other sessions from the summit, but I think you'll find this one inspiring. And even though we recorded it before concerns of COVID-19 really were dominating the news, it's a message that you need to hear now. Ruben is the only man alive who has been in four Winter Olympics across four separate decades, and he's working to make the 2022 Games his fifth. He describes himself as a common man who achieved extraordinary things. He was a gifted athlete, he talks about that, And in school, he was always the last kid picked to play sports. And he didn't even take up the sport of luge until he was 21. 21 years old. That's considered ancient to start preparing for the Olympics. Four years later, and a few broken bones, Ruben was competing in the Calgary Winter Olympics. Now, he'll share some insights about this. About whether achieving victory in the Olympics, in business, or in life, the same principles apply. Focus, discipline, integrity, teamwork, leadership overcoming your fears and committing to excellence i really enjoy talking with ruben i hope you enjoy it too you'll find a summary of all the discussion the key points for him to really motivate and inspire and help you get more success at the everydayinnovatorcom slash 278 now get ready to be inspired i am with ruben gonzalez and he is here to help us know how to succeed in life he is certainly a motivational guy He has a key distinction, which is to be the only person uh, at the moment who has been in four Winter Olympics across four separate decades, and he has a plan to add a fifth decade and a fifth Olympics in the 2022 Games, Um, so we might talk about that a little bit. So certainly a motivational guy. He has spoken to over 100 of the Fortune 500s. He has over 500 keynotes now under his belt And has helped a lot of people individually with motivation and obviously groups and and companies kind of think differently. And there's two specific quotes that I found on his website about some of his work, some of the people that he's impacted. The first was from Lou Holtz. And I love this one because I've had the great pleasure of hearing from Lou Holtz personally. And uh, uh, another very motivational person that led um, the Notre Dame uh, University football team to national championship and was coach of other football teams. And he said about Reuben, if you listen to Ruben speak, your life will change for the positive. Uh, I just love that quote. And another one was um, the guy who mentored Tony Robbins, uh, Jim, R- Jim Ron. He said, Reuben hits you with the absolute truth about what it takes to succeed in the real world. Wow. That's just such a great quote. And that's what the session is going to be about. Reuben, thanks for joining us and talking about what it takes to succeed.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Glad we can uh, do this together. The one thing that is in my mind is how does a kid from Houston, Texas, which I've been to, especially in the summer, it's kind of miserable, make <laughs> it to the Winter Games?
1: You know, ever since I was a kid, I had that dream. I I was born in Argentina. We came to the States when I was uh, six years old, and I saw, saw the Olympics on TV when I was 10. And uh, well, I... That became my dream, but it was a pipe dream because I was always the last kid picked for PE. Uh, I've got a lot of heart, but no body to go with it. I was a slowpoke, and uh, it wasn't till I was twenty one. I'm watching the Sarajevo games on TV, and I uh, see Scott Hamilton, the figure skater, uh, win the gold medal. And gosh, he's about five foot one, one, hundred and ten pounds, soaking wet. He gave me hope. I thought to myself, man, if that if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'm gonna be in the next ones, no matter what. It's a done deal. I got to find a sport. <laughs> and so uh, all of a sudden I had belief. Uh, I'm a big believer that you have to have two types of courage to uh, to reach your goals and, and dreams. And it doesn't matter whether you're trying to graduate from high school or double your business, just fill in the blank. You have to have the courage to get started and everything's tough in the beginning. So you have to have the courage to endure, to stay in the game long enough to learn some skills and then use those skills to reach the goal. Uh, The courage to get started comes from believing it's possible. The courage to not quit comes from your desire, right? If you want something badly enough, ain't nothing going to make you quit. Well, I always had the desire, but I didn't have the belief. Now I see Scott Hamilton, and boy, I was ready to go. I lived in Houston. We'd moved to Houston and um, uh, went to the library, looked through a list of Olympic sports. took me five minutes to realize, man, you got to be a super athlete to do any of this stuff. There's no way. And I got a little down. And then I'm looking at the list of the winner games and the analytical side of my brain kicked in. I thought, you know, my nickname in high school uh, was Bulldog because I was always very tenacious, perseverant. So I thought I'm about to put the plan for the next four years. I uh, probably would make sense to base the plan on my strengths. My strength is not athleticism, I'm just okay athlete. My strength is perseverance. And so now I'm looking for tough sports. I thought I need to find a sport with a lot of broken bones. Uh, hopefully it'll be a lot of quitters and I just won't quit. I'll make it to the top on the attrition rate. And so I had to adapt the ski jump, bobsled and luge and uh, picked the luge and went to Lake Placid. At first they wouldn't take me. I said I was too old. I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I got myself into a beginner class and uh, four years and a few broken bones later, I, I made the Calgary Olympics. So it all started as a 10 year old and, with a little help of Scott Hamilton giving me the, the belief to get started. Okay, so let's go back to the
0: 10 year old and we'll dive into a lot of good things. There. I want to certainly hit belief and courage, that's important. But as a 10 year old, you know, 21, you said, was when you saw Scott Hamilton in the, in the Olympics. That's 11 years that went by. Um, that's a long time to kind of have this dream of yours grow and also get beaten down over and over, right? Yeah. What, what what do you think it was in you that kept driving you to think about yeah i i, I can be in the olympics you
1: know i i, I was born in argentina and I, I learned how to speak english by reading adventure books i love Twenty Thousand Leagues under the sea around the mm. world in 90 days all these books about kids that led adventurous lives and i've always seen myself in in those stories and i had them in english and in spanish I had a tutor and that's how i learned them and um Then When I got excited about the Olympics, I talked about it for a couple of years. My dad got tired of me talking the talk, but not walking the walk and he did something really smart. He said, he would always say the answers are in the books, right? He says, you'll study the lives of great people. You'll figure out what works, what doesn't work in life because success leaves clues. It's all these success principles have been around forever. So I started reading them and I realized right away that these were true life adventures, right? Biographies were. And, uh, Right away, I realized, man, perseverance is the the, the common denominator. And uh, I made a decision after reading enough of these books as a twelve year old. I, I decided, hey, perseverance is you know it's the key to reaching your goals. It's not a guarantee, but at least you got a shot. And quitting—that's the end of your your dream. It's a no brainer. And so it, it was a decision. You know, I tell people, look, success is a decision. You draw that line in the sand. and You say, man, I will until and no matter what happens, I'm gonna figure this thing out. And so. Uh, I started playing soccer, soccer, you know, Argentine boys are soccer fanatics. And I played soccer in clubs and never played in high school. My high school didn't have a, a, a team. And, um, and my dad got me to hang around winners too. He said, the people you hang around with, you associate with, and the, the books you read, those two things will determine where you end up, whether you reach your goals, because, because um, it's what you put into your mind, what you feed your mind. And so if you hang around people that, that you have respect for, people that are already done what you want to do or people that have done big things, they'll encourage you. And when um, when they start believing in you, you'll start believing in, in yourself because you, you respect their opinion. And I did that for years, and I started growing, right? A uh, little bit at a time. It takes years to grow. It's um, And now, uh, now I'm in high school, and... A couple of things that the, these mentors of mine, I call them my dream team, would tell me, is, they would ask different questions. You know, the questions you ask yourself can have the power to focus your mind on, on where you want to go. Or, or you know, if you're an average person, you know, you focus on the obstacles. You don't want to do that. You want to focus on the dream, right? Because that gives you the strength. So uh, they would say, look, you, um, they would ask questions like, why not now? Why not me? Why not? All right. If you ask yourself those questions, your subconscious mind, you know, it's thinking about that all night long while you're sleeping. You wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. And so I I found out that um, Houston Baptist University had an NCAA Division I soccer team. And by then I've been hanging around these guys and I'm starting to ask myself these questions. And those questions led me to seeking out, you know, how can I get into this team? And I found out there's a day that you can try out. I tried out, made the team, even got a scholarship. My dad got excited about that that part. And uh, a couple of weeks later, coach said, "Man, you know, you're too slow. You're holding us back. You know, you're you're a threat to our own team." <laughs> and so uh, he said, you, "You only get to play if we're winning by two goals." And so, but now I was part of the team, and that was such a boost to my self image because now, you know, gosh, I'm an overnight job. And so that, you know, that made me see myself in a different way. And around that time, a couple of years in, into being on the soccer team, the Olympics roll around, 84 Sarajevo games. And that's when I saw Scott Hamilton. So it wasn't just seeing him. So I'm really glad you asked that question. It was the books I read and the people I hung around with for 11 years that grew me to the point where now Scott Hamilton's the, the, like the straw that broke the, the camel's back, right? Mm-hmm. That was the last straw. If I had seen him, but I was still at the same level of belief that I had been as a 10-year-old, yeah, it, w- it would have just been you know, a spectator watching a, a great performance. That would have been it.
0: Yeah, you had already put yourself on a path. And I think as we start looking for opportunities, we tend to see more of that. And Scott was the inspiration that you needed. I want to take two things that you talked about there kind of in uh, reverse order. First, being part of the team, the soccer team. So I imagine when the coach comes to you and says, you are a threat to the team, but that's a bit of a blow to yeah. things. He was a real motivator.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it'll it, you know, it'll either knock you out or, or motivate you to do something, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. H- how yeah. did you leverage that team experience to make it a win for you?
1: I was still... Uh... I just wanted to be one of the guys. I realized, uh-huh. you know, it was the traveling with them and being, you know, part of that team. And so I realized that, Hey, my new goal in life was don't get cut. Right. <laughs> and so I became the Rudy of the team willing to do anything to be part of that team. And so on my own, without even asking, I just started mowing the lawn on the soccer field and drawing the lines and putting up, I like marketing. So I started putting up, making little posters, putting them all over the school and we started actually getting people come watch us play and hot and humid Houston that was a feat and uh and I was on a traveling squad for three for three years. Mm-hmm. And the fourth year I actually quit because by then I was I could see that I was going nowhere and I was starting to get into the luge. I thought no I gotta focus on on this different vehicle. But um just being part of that team was great. We and we mm-hmm. still you know still uh keep in touch all, all the guys do. I mean we're we're tight you know so so uh yeah I was I don't know how I leveraged it but it helped my 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 the way I saw myself,
0: right? Yeah, and you took action to be a part of the team, right? I, I think this statement, right, you're a threat to the team is <laughs> you know really a blow to the ego, a, a body <laughs> blow there too. Uh, but you took the best of that situation and said, hey, I want to be a part of this team. I want to stay out. I'm going to figure out a way to contribute even if the coach doesn't see that I'm contributing.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, when I you heard me speak uh, about a month ago or mm-hmm. 6 weeks ago so yep, you've, that's where we met. some of these things i may have said during that talk or not but when i what when i wanted to go to the olympics it was never even about the medal for me which is crazy it was about being one of the guys right i wanted to be in that club i just want to be one of those people that you know were olympians mm-hmm. And uh, looking back, because I've, gosh, I did Calgary and uh back to back. Then I quit for six or seven years. Then I started up again. Uh, made Salt Lake City in 2002. Quit again for seven years. Uh, started up again. I'm, I'm like the Brett Favre of luge, okay? <laughs> and seven, I, I've, I've quit for three times for over six years. Um, what? But uh, looking back, I'm, you know, the best parts was just hanging around and traveling with the guys. Yeah. And it wasn't even the sliding, and, you know, the opening ceremonies are awesome. And those two weeks are magical, but it's the camaraderie and the friendships you make. And, uh, and I remember one time we we're training for the Vancouver games. We're in this hotel somewhere in Europe and they never let us bring our sleds into the rooms because they know we're going to work on them and we end up trashing the rooms and so they always we always find a hotel that's got a garage or somewhere where we can go and that's where we work on our sleds at night and i remember sitting uh we're all working on our sleds you know uh, taking the nicks off and preparing it for, for the next day's practice and music blaring and there's all these 20 year old and sometimes younger uh kids from all over the world training i'm looking around i thought man this is the, you know just the attitude and the uh the work ethic in this room and, uh, you know, it's uh, the, these guys are gonna do great things in life. And I feel proud just to be in this room with them. And mm-hmm. I was the oldest one by far. I mean, I could have been most of them dad but, uh, but I just felt good, you know, being with that kind of people. Yeah, I
0: think that's something that's very motivating for product managers as well. We love creating products that our customers in turn love giving something to them. But a lot of it is about that experience of doing something together as a team and making something new. And it's special when that comes together as a
1: team. Uh, so I pre- appreciate you emphasizing that team aspect yeah. as well. The just, other thing? just last yeah. Can I, uh, <laughs> yeah, just last week, not even a week ago, I spoke in. I was in Savannah and I spoke for Gulfstream, Gulf the guys that build the planes. And I got to tour of the plant. Unbelievable. Okay, but it was interesting. Uh, the uh, vice president of sales had brought me in to speak the the, the day after we toured, and he's showing me around. He's telling me his story. Uh, I, I'm always intrigued. You know, I. How'd you end up doing this, right? And uh, and he he told me the story, but then he said that he started with Gulfstream in '92, and back then it was owned by all these venture capitalist firms, and and most of the engineers were contract labor, so they'd work, let's say, they'd work on the G3, for example, and then they, you know, they were all gone, and you lost that, you know, you had a gel team that had worked together for several years, and and that all this knowledge, right, that they'd acquired, and then you lost that. And then General Dynamics bought them in uh, 99. And that's the best thing that's happened to the company because they're very long term. They said, no, you got to keep these teams after you finish a project, find something for them to do. But we can't lose that, 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 you know, human capital. That's priceless. Uh And uh, so they have a very long term view uh, instead of just, uh, you know, how are we doing next quarter? And uh, even the CEO said, you know, that's the best thing that ever happened to this company is, you know, General Dynamics coming in. So it's, it's kind of what you're saying, you know, keeping that team together, mm-hmm. working on a, on a big project. Yeah, it's a huge difference. And when you can have a team that the
0: people have worked together for a while, and they really start to know each other, and they count on each other, and there's high accountability, that team becomes magical over time. It's a special experience. Yeah. The, the other thing you mentioned I want to go back to was in high school, you talked about your mentors and how, you know, you, you had mentors in your life, you were reading, you're trying to get the right people around you, uh, winners to help you think more like a winner. And they asked you some questions that were important. Um, one of my mentors, you know, a question that I ask myself at times is when I'm running into something that might be getting me down that I think I'm, I'm not feeling very positive at the moment. Is that a real thought? Is that a real belief? Is there a truth in that? Or is that just something that I'm telling myself that's not really serving me right now? Right. Um, great. These mentors that you're, who, who were they? and And just talk about your mentors a little bit.
1: My dad, ever since I was a kid, he you know he would tell me uh, if you he said, look, life is a series of challenges. Okay, it's just like when you're watching the weather channel. You know, it's the fronts that are coming through. You're either in one, you're going into one, you're coming out of one, but there's going to be another one, and so you have to be tough, right? Not life's going to knock you down, but you got to be ready. And so by him telling me that, it started helping me put on mental armor, right? To realize that hey, i life is tough, but I'm gonna be tougher, right? And I've always said that to my kids. And he said, if you need to, you know, there's going to be times in your life when you have to feels like you have to cross a minefield. And the smartest way to do that is to follow somebody who's already crossed it. Mm-hmm. Right. Preferably somebody that's still walking. <laughs> so he was always right. telling me, find somebody that's done what you want to do and ask them, right. Learn from them. And you're actually helping them too, because see, You always hear about success being, you know, oh, you know, he's successful, but he's empty inside or she's successful, but she's looking for something else. And yeah, because success is the silver medal. The uh, gold medal is significance, right? That means you help somebody else become successful. So he says, they'll help you get your silver and you'll help them get your gold, but don't waste your time. If you're going to go ask them, be willing to do the work. Don't just be an eternal learner, right? Mm -hmm. Action, action's the key. So I would go to you know coaches and and you know because I was you know I want to learn more about trying to get sports I, I was coaches and I always had the idea that I want to have my own business so I always gravitated towards people that own their own business um, and I, you know, I just ask them questions and my dad you know in Argentina if you're middle class you're either you know your kids are either going to be a doctor or a lawyer or uh, where do we screw up I mean that's their whole attitude right <laughs> and I was the eldest so all the pressure was for me to be uh, you know doctors so i was pre-med but uh, i would tell my dad have you seen my grades I mean, i will be saving lives by not being a doctor <laughs> but uh, he was hard-headed but um anyways so yeah i would find people that that, that interested me, uh like that uh when, when gabriella our 19 year old daughter was little you know we'd always go to a coffee shop and have uh, hot chocolate and she says dad i want to have a coffee shop sometime." Someday when I I get old, I said, okay, well, let's go interview some coffee shop owners. And so we just started hitting all the coffee shops in the area. And we told them, this was in Houston. We told them, look, don't worry, we're not going to be a competitor. We're moving to Colorado, okay? (laughs) And they, oh, come on, little girl, let's show it. And she would take pictures everywhere she went because she was cherry picking, right? And she made a little album of the things. So I wanted her to learn the process of that's how you get ahead, Mm -hmm. right? Ask people that already know. And so, Simple, simple.
0: Yeah, yeah, simple, but not always done. Uh, <laughs> cool. Really good advice. And an example of that, you know, the soccer team again, was a time when you put that into action, right? You, you made the most of that situation uh, to, to get value out of it. So um, really good. Uh, okay, some other things, things we'll get back there, especially belief and courage in just a moment. But I'm curious about what is what continues to drive you. Uh, neither one of us are young men anymore, right? We're still in the prime uh-huh. of our lives, I think. But- um, 2022, you're going to be 59 years old, and uh, what I hear from people is that our bones tend to break a little bit easier the older that we get. What is driving you to go back to the Olympics?
1: And they take longer to heal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, I'm ADD, big time, okay? And and thank God I am, because that helps me as an entrepreneur. I I can super focus. I have that extra gear that if something's important to me, I can... I could put it into uh, super focused gear and work outwork competition, but I get bored easy, you know, ADD people get bored easy. And that's why I would go. And and it seems like I have a six to seven year window where I can keep doing, you know, a normal life, but then I need a big challenge or else I'm, I go crazy inside. And that's why I've come out of retirement all those times. And so it's not so much that I'm trying to, what am I trying to achieve? Although the fact of, you know, the, uh, Possibility, right? Becoming the oldest Winter Olympian in history, right? Uh-huh. And the f- only person to do five in five different decades. That's huge because it can really inspire people to go for it, right? To not use age as an excuse. And so when I went back, I went back uh, two years ago after a seven year break, and I was 55, and I Went to Calgary just to see, hey, number one, let's see if I can even handle six Gs, right? Because your your head's hanging off the end of the sled and you're man, some of those tight curves are tough. And uh, after a couple of runs, I realized, piece of cake, I'm, I'm still strong. And then um, after a couple more days, I realized, man, I'm sliding better than ever. I'm more relaxed. I'm actually listening to the coaches and applying stuff right away. Uh, so the learning curve is, you know, uh, there's not that low. And after about, uh, let's see, it was 10 days just of a test, I thought, man, I might as well come back in December, see if I can qualify for the World Cup race in December. So I went back in December with my 25-year-old sled, and I'm looking at it over there in my office. And uh, when I showed up with that, you know, the coaches said, you're crazy. That thing belongs in a museum. You know, there's no way, you know. And the sled technology, sled's have gotten a lot faster. And in order to qualify for this race, you get five runs. And on at least one, you got to be within 5% of the fastest time that day. I was going to have to break my personal record by two-tenths of a second, which doesn't sound like much, but in the luge, it's it's a lot. And um, coaches kept saying, hey, you got a shot, you know. And uh, on the fourth run, I did it by four one-hundredths of a second. I mean, it's a blink, but I qualified. And then they were saying – Man, you know what you just did, you know, with that old sled doing this? It's like winning Wil- Wimbledon with a wooden racket, okay? Mm-hmm. So, number one, you need a new sled, okay? <laughs> so, because because this old one ain't going to do it. But uh, if you keep training and with a new sled, um, you know, as long as you don't get hurt, you're good. I mean, you're good. You got a shot. You got a shot. That's what they said. And I didn't want to know what that shot was. I don't want to know the, I don't want to infect my mind with a number, right? If they say 5% or 30% or 50%. If you guys believe I got a shot, that's all I need to know. Uh Now that's enough for me to go for it. And let, you know, go for it and let the chips, you know, end up where they, where they, where they fall, where they fall, however that saying goes. Right. (laughs) But you had so a So it's an adventure, but it's an adventure, right? It's one more time where you have to dig deep inside, find out what you're made out of, and see if you know if you can make it happen.
0: Yeah, and he dug deep, but there's also belief in there. And you mentioned that earlier, right, as an element of this. And uh you've written five books now about your journey and motivation and success. And one of them is called The Courage to Succeed. You mentioned belief before, and courage and uh desire has come up here. Um, what what are those key ingredients? Let's just unravel that a little bit more about succeeding in
1: life. Maybe we'll start with well, I think perseverance is the key. You okay. got to stay in the game long enough. I mean, you can't, quitting is not an option, right? I mean, once, you know, if the coach has said, no way, okay, this is, uh, you, there's no way you're going to do it anymore. Well, I'd probably go to another coach. I want to get a second opinion, right? Because you got it's like going to the doctor. Uh, and so after I've gotten enough opinions from top top guys, and I says it ain't gonna happen. Forget it. You're just not there anymore. Okay, I guess I have to come to grips to it. But um, uh, but if they say you got a shot, jeez, <laughs> it's worth it. And I tell people, look, it's it's not about the dream. Okay, I believe that God puts a dream in your your life, and it's almost like like a carrot in front of that donkey. Right? You got a carrot with a stick. And the dream gets you to dig deep and and fight through your struggles and when you dig deep you start finding your God-given gifts right that you wouldn't have found otherwise and now you've got them you got them for the rest of your life and that's how you can make the world a better place right because now you're you're operating at a different level you can help people in a different way Uh so um, it's not about the dream it's about the person you become it really is so Uh you know even when I was going for Olympics number three I was saying that When I I started, funny, when I started uh, going for number four, this other guy, uh, there was a a motivational speaker, right? (laughs) I I, I don't even call myself that, okay? I'm a professional speaker, right? Uh, Inspirational, maybe. I can't motivate anybody. You know, only you can motivate yourself. Maybe I can light a fire, right, of inspiration like Scott Hamilton did to me. But, um, you know, you're going to have to motivate yourself. But uh, anyways, uh, this guy said, why are you going for number four? You already got three. It's going to look bad if you if you don't make it. Thought, are you kidding me, man? You don't know anything about success. I, mean, I had another motivational, you know, guy uh, years ago tell me, um, I was trying to pay my credit cards, right? And I'd run into Dave Ramsey and he, 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 you know, told me about his program and he sent me all his books. He says, if you follow my stuff for two years, we'll clean up that mess. I says, okay, fine. So we're in that Dave Ramsey mode, you know, driving a, beat-up car, et cetera. And this other speaker, he says, man, I can't believe you're driving that 15-year-old Taurus, man. I mean, it looks like he's got skin cancer on it. I says, hey, this car's paid for, man. That's what success is. It's paid for. I don't have to be, I'm I'm not out to impress anybody. And this guy was all show. You know, he had a lease on a, you know, like $900 BMW every month. It wasn't even his. And then when 2008 came, he went out of business and we were able to spray through. So, uh, well, yeah, it, in my book, success is not about impressing other people. It's just about chasing your dream, following your heart.
0: Yeah. And I really like what you said about, it's about the person you become, right? The, 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 digging deep, fighting through the struggles. It's about the person that you become and through the process. Yeah. And you said a lot of, of things about belief along the way too. So Did I? That uh, belief in what? Out of my
1: mouth. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: So, you know, what was this belief that, you know, you were, you're getting some of the green lights along the way as the coach says, yeah, you know, you might be able to do this. You might be able to break the record, um, belief from mentors, from books you read. Um, yeah. t- t- tell us about that.
1: Yeah. And, uh, uh, when you go looking for a mentor, you have to, you know, my dad always said, look for somebody who's got fruit on the trees, right? You don't want to talk to a theorist, talk to somebody who's done it, right? Um, so always find somebody like that. And so when I was, gosh, let's see. I used to sell copiers in Houston. And about a month before the Salt Lake City Olympics, this little kid in my neighborhood, he says, a little 12-year-old guy, he says, hey, Ruben, when you come back, will you be my, when you come back from Salt Lake, will you be my show-and-tell project in school? Uh, sure, why not? And I pictured 20 kids in a classroom. It's show-and-tell day. Everybody's going to show something off. I'll be in there in five minutes, right? I like, but I'm going to win show and tell. I'm finally going to get a gold, gold medal at something. <laughs> no prisoners. I took the slit, the helmet, the Olympic torch because I was a torch bearer. And I'm so happy. I, I go to the school. Principal takes me to the auditorium. It's actually the cafeteria. There's 200 kids sitting there. He says, You got 45 minutes. Have at them, right? They turned into an assembly, but they didn't tell me. I thought I was going to die. I, mean, I actually said a prayer. I was like, God, what do I do now? And what have I got myself into? Well, oh, that door looks so good, so inviting, right? I'm, believe it or not, I'm a shy guy. I'm an introvert. Um, but I'm Clark Kent, and Clark Kent turns into, into Superman when he's up on stage, but then he's Clark Kent in real life. And so I, what I felt I needed to do was just tell him your story and give him some pointers, help him reach their goals and dreams. And I did. And afterwards, the principal's like, man, you got a gift. You got, you know, you're better than people we pay. Uh, you need this for a living. I said, well, you get paid for show and tell? And he said, no, it's a speaking profession. Don't you know anything? And apparently I didn't. But he was so in my face about it that he got me thinking. The next three days, I'm thinking, you oh, know, that was actually kind of fun. I didn't die or anything. Uh, maybe I can inspire some people to, you know, really go for it in life. And so I quit my, my job three days later. I thought if I can sell a copier, I can sell a Reuben too. Uh, I don't recommend this approach because three months later we're on food stamps, okay? $50,000 in credit card debt from the Olympics. Uh, we're up to here, you know, bills already. And I just decided to go and quit my job. And, uh, but I, I believed, it was that belief thing again, right? I thought if you know, I've always wanted to have my own business. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I just started hitting the phones. I was speaking at schools all over Houston. So February, i at the Olympics. March, April, May, I'm living the dream. I'm actually making as much and a little bit more than selling copiers. But then I forgot the summer's gonna be dead, right? There's no school. (laughs) And by August, we're three months behind in our house payment, credit is shot. food stamps. Top of the world in February, humble, big time in August. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I tell everybody to find a coach or a mentor. I'm not even taking my own advice. I, I gotta find somebody that knows this business. I mean, I'm a good storyteller, but I don't know how to build this thing. So I found a guy in Houston and he agreed to show me. And he was, you know, he lived in a big old house. He'd been in the business for 12 years. He had fruit on the trees. And he said, you got me once a month for 60 minutes, take me out to lunch and ask me whatever you want. If you're smart, bring a pad with all your questions so you don't save any time. At the end of our meeting, I'm going to give you some homework. If we ever meet and you haven't done last month's homework, it's over because I don't want students. I want, you know, action people. I said, hey, sounds good, but I'm on food stamps. I'll tell you what, we'll go to Starbucks. You can have anything on the menu as long as it's coffee of the day. Put as much sugar in it as you want, and we'll do it that way. He goes, All right, fine. Well, the first time we meet, he says, I don't care if you're a 10-time Olympian. This is the first thing he says out of his mouth. And this guy, this guy's big, tough, and mean. Okay, he's got this Sopranos vibe. He still gives me the, you know, scares me. He says, I don't care if you're a 10-time Olympian unless you write a book. No one's going to take you seriously because an author is considered the authority of his subject. He wrote the book. He's going on and on. I told him, I can't make, write a book. I made C's in English. Uh, I mean, my parents celebrated when I brought a C in English. <laughs> and he said, you got a great story. You write it down. We give it to some A students. They clean it up for you. That's just grammar. I thought, oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. He goes, yeah, it's called editing. So shut up and sit down. Right? It was like that. That was a courage to succeed. And it's been translated to 10 languages. It's opened up doors everywhere. And uh, and, it, and I learned the process. But the neat thing is, if you think about it, you have all these, I can't do this. I can't do this. I made season English. It's impossible. And you talk to somebody that's done. He says, piece of cake. Do this, this, and this. What's your next problem? <laughs> right? So all of, the, all of a sudden, you don't have to rely on your own belief or your disbelief because you're riding on somebody else's coattails. Yeah, that's really good. It's back to my mentor's question for me, right? Is what
0: I'm telling myself, serving me or not, and telling yourself, man, I can't write. You know, I never did well in in, in English. What am I thinking about? Uh, that certainly isn't serving you for where you want to go. And there's a way around that. And you found ways around that. So really exciting. Uh, I wish you all the best getting to 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank, be, you. Thank uh, you. I have more reasons. Keep reason me in to... your prayers. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> Uh, I enjoy watching the Olympics, but I don't catch all of it by any means. But now I have an event to watch for sure. And oh, cool. uh, the luge is very, very exciting. Uh, six G's on a how many inches off the ice? I mean, you're really close to the ice, five inches off.
1: It's just, <laughs> yeah, like go kart laying yeah. down on top of a go kart,
0: <laughs> this tiny little high speed yeah, sled. Yeah, and
1: you're wearing a spandex suit. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, it's, no, just it's, amazing. it's not, it's not golf, <laughs> it's
0: amazing. <laughs> I asked you to bring a quote for us. What do you have and why did you choose that one?
1: One of my favorite quotes for, gosh, as long as I can remember. Uh, It's a a George Patton, George Patton quote. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't just sit there. Keep going. Get through that, right? And so it it made so much sense when I read it. Um, There's this other, uh, there's this actor. His last name is Strauss. I forget his first name. But I, I love his quote, too. He says, if you have to wrestle a gorilla, uh, don't don't quit until after the gorilla. Quit. <laughs> I thought, hey, that makes sense. Absolutely. We all have to wrestle gorillas every day, don't we?
0: We do, right? And it's that perseverance, as you talked about so much, to keep going and the belief that you can get what you want, or at least you're going to become a better person for trying and that there's something worthy about the journey itself. So. Yeah. Really, really good information, Ruben. I so much appreciate you joining us and helping to motivate us, helping us to know what is what is needed to succeed in life.
1: Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Chad. That was great. A lot of fun.
0: And now there's a bonus question I want to ask you about, too, which is diving into this aspect of when the kind of the going gets tough, because all of us, um, like, again, I can't imagine when the soccer coach, you just got on the team, and the soccer coach, you know, <laughs> threw that in your face that you're a threat. gosh there's times where we get some feedback or the way we're just seeing the world around us, we get uh, afraid and, you know, we, we think we're headed towards failure here. Um, how do you keep moving forward through that? Uh, some people call this, you know, dealing with imposter syndrome and that we're not really all that, that we th- think that we might've needed to be to get to where we are right now. How do you keep moving forward and deal with those dark times?
1: Hmm. I, I, I believe that it's, um, Fear of failure and fear of the unknown. Those are the two things that hold most people back. And uh, they're visualizing the worst thing that can happen, right? They're painting that in their minds and that that fear holds them back. And nine times out of 10, it's just a smoke screen. You know, if you mm-hmm. face your fear, nine times out of 10, the fear disappears and you realize, oh, that was a piece of okay, cake. Kind of like when I went and spoke for those kids. I didn't know. I had no idea that I could do that. And if you remember... When you were a kid, you're at the neighborhood pool, and there's the normal diving board, there's that high dive, right? And that high dive, no way, right? You're 10 years old, no way I'm going to do that. And uh, one day, I know somebody eggs you on, you start climbing up that ladder, and once you climb up, you can't start climbing down. I mean, that's, you know, you can't lose space. You're up at the top, and you're hugging, you know, whatever you can hold on to, and finally, you just, oh, heck with it, and you just run out and dive, or you Jump right, fall on your feet. You realize that was fun, right? You spend the rest of the afternoon doing it and trying to talk all the other kids into doing it. It was a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen. You face that fear, and the fear disappeared. And so, if you just do that, and if you surround yourself with people that have done what you want to do, they face those fears, and and they'll even they'll they'll give you tips, right? But here's something that we do also. You know, when we visualize our runs, before a race, we visualize the perfect run, right? Close your eyes, you take a mental run. But during the season or, you know, the week before the race when you're training, you're, especially when you go to a new track or a track that you haven't been to in in a few weeks, you visualize escape routes. What am I going to do if I'm a little late into curve one? What am I going to do if I'm a little early? What if I hit the left wall before curve one? What about a right wall? Then you do that for all the curves, fifteen or sixteen curves. So you got contingency plans for anything uh, that that curve that that track could throw at you, and that gives you confidence because you know you can handle it, right? And now you're operating at a different level. So in the morning, something that I do, and it's uh, the uh, the uh, the everyday life version of of that is when I'm taking a shower in the morning. I'm one of the things I'm. I'm, I ask myself two questions. So number one is, what can I really feel? What am am I really looking forward to today? What's one thing that's, you know, just to get yourself, you know, pumped up, right? And and because most of the time, the expectation is better than than the fact anyways, right? So, hey, get that expectation going. And then I ask myself, okay, what's the worst thing that could trip me up today? You know, what could happen, right? And so, for example, if I have to go to the airport today because I'm speaking somewhere, uh, well, I could get a flat tire. Okay, well, how can I figure that? How can I fix that? Oh, I'll just leave three hours early. Okay, piece of cake. I change that tire, you know, leisurely. So by doing that, I'm, uh, I'm kind of planning ahead, right? I'm not being negative. I'm actually preparing myself so that something happens, boom, I can rebound. I can, I can um, uh, be, um, uh, I just rebound instead of staying down. And so that's, that's, how, that's how little things that keep me going.
0: That's good advice. The visualization, I think, is a great technique in many settings visualize how we see success in, in an area and having contingency plans because things never work out the way that we really want them never. to, right? <laughs> um, no, no plan stands the test of reality, right? So, <laughs>
1: that's the great line.
0: Um, and then being able to uh, know what the day is about. Uh, that's something I've recently started doing myself, uh, a journaling tool I'm using uh, from a friend, the Right Start Journal. And one of the things is, what is the purpose of the day, right? What's the one thing, the yeah. kind of the day is wrapped around. So, yeah. um, really appreciate that, Ruben. Good tips for working through those times when it's easy to get fearful
1: because of what's going on. Well, thanks, thanks again, Chad. Uh, this is a lot of fun. You asked some good questions. Your uh, your podcast is just going to explode because because uh, because it's good. I
0: appreciate that, and you have some great wisdom. Uh, finding mentors to help you and working with people, and again, all the best on twenty twenty two.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. Make it Olympic day.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find all the key principles and the key tips that Ruben shared at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 278. There's a great written summary for you there. And as always, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.